Well, I invite you to turn with me now in your Bibles to John chapter 17. We'll also look at the book of Acts chapter 2 in just a few moments. But let's start in John 17 as we continue our series this fall through what we've entitled Transforming Principles for Life in God's Grace. And we continue to walk Uh, through this in a variety of ways, thinking through not only how these principles relate to our lives on an individual basis, certainly they do, they're biblical things, as I hope we're seeing each week, biblical realities, but also for how they shape and can shape the life of our church collectively. And in that sense, to be a sort of core values, list of core values for who we desire to be as a church family and we're praying and asking the Lord to work in our lives. So we've looked at grasping grace. We look at at teaching God's truth and the importance of that last week. And then today we want to talk about this idea of connecting in community. And we want to use John 17 again to do that. Last week uh, I used it for us to think about truth and teaching. And the reason it's such a helpful passage for us is, again, it shows us Jesus's high priestly prayer, as it's called, It was a special prayer that he offered up on behalf of believers at his time and then all those that would follow, as we're going to see here in just a minute in verse 20. It was a prayer that he's offered up for us, and it's so helpful for us because then it gives us insight. What does Jesus really want to see in our lives? What's his desire? Certainly, whatever he prayed for us, that's got to be at the center of the heartbeat of Jesus' will for us individually and as a church. So with that in mind and considering this idea of connecting in community, let's stand as I read aloud to you all, and you read along silently, uh, verse 11 starting in in chapter 17 of John, and then we'll jump down to verses 20 to 23. And I, Jesus said, am no longer in the world, but they... His disciples, believers, are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us today. That they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even As you have loved me. You may be seated. As you do, let me pray for us again. Father, we just really want to hear from you today as we talked about at length last week. We know we're greatly blessed and strengthened by hearing from your word and being able to receive it in our lives. But our our hearts are so rock solid sometimes and So we pray, and I pray that you'd start uh, with me right up here as I am proclaiming uh, this idea of connecting in community that you declare in your word. I pray that it would just sink into all of our lives and 
and we'd walk out here with a greater vision of what you have for your church body and for us, uh, for one another in each other's lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a young pastor was feeling pretty discouraged about uh, feelings of disunity and disconnection uh, from others in his own life and his own heart that he was seeing and also those that he was seeing in the church that he pastored. And he was walking along the road one day and saw an old Coke can. And in his frustration, he kicked that can as hard as he could. It tumbled along the ground a few times and out popped a genie. The genie said, I can grant you one wish. Now, the pastor was a little surprised by the genie coming out of the Coke can and also a little confused about the protocol. He said, I I thought that genies were supposed to live inside of a bottle and grant three wishes. The genie sort of sheepishly said, you know, as you can tell, I live in a Coke can because I'm actually an apprentice genie. So I can only grant you one wish. What will it be? Well, the pastor said, okay, well, ponder this for a minute. He said, I only got one shot, so let's, let's go big here. He said, how about peace, unity, love, connection for all peoples all around the world in all nations? Well, the genie said, goodness, I, I just told you I'm an apprentice genie. That's a pretty bold request. I'm a, something a little bit more straightforward and simpler. Pastor thought for a minute, said, okay, how about real genuine love and connection and deep forgiveness and grace with one another in my own church instead of the sometimes judgmental attitudes and lack of forgiveness that I see? How about just that in my little church? Well, this time the genie paused for a minute, thought about it, said, you know what? How about we go back to your first request? Let's go with that. Well, it doesn't take much more than for each one of us to get honest before the Lord about how we really feel sometimes about one another in some of our closest relationships in the family or in the family of God in our church body to recognize that this is a struggle. It's not an easy thing to really live out the love and oneness that comes from Christ working in our lives collectively. That's a challenge for us. It's a great struggle for us to see the the beauty and the glory of who Christ is in the church body and to really embrace it and love it and move towards one another in that way, even when barriers might be between us. It's a hard thing. And so this passage is good for us to hear. And this idea of connecting in community is absolutely something that we ought to put right up there in front of those list of of core values, of principles that we want to have as a church because we see it's in the Scriptures and we know it's such a challenge for us. If you want to follow along in your worship guide, I put down this summary idea for, I, I think, what this passage is teaching us today and Another passage we'll look at in Acts in a minute, and it's just this, that since Christ is in us, collectively, 
not just individually, but collectively, we are led to connect in community through Him. can only happen through Him. And really, we see right off the bat that it can only happen because of Him. If you look back with this, at this John passage with me, John 17, verse 21, what is Jesus praying? He's saying that we may be one, but why? What's the driving reality behind this? Why is it so important for Him? Why does He pray so much about this? He says, because you, Father, are in me. And I in you. He goes on in verse 22 to talk about the glory that's been given me and that he has given to us. That we may be one even as he's one with his heavenly father. We don't have time today to go into a full discourse about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how they are uh, connected to one another and related to each other. But the idea behind Jesus' prayer is that the very identity of God at the center of who God is, is community. Is the idea of three persons in the Godhead connecting to one another, deeply related to one another, loving one another, if you will. That's what is the bedrock for this whole idea of you and I connecting. It sounds crazy that somehow us today and how we relate and connect as a church could live out and connect to the realities of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that's what Jesus is saying. That's the amazing reality of Christian community. And so what it means for us is at least one thing. Uh, that is that although, you know, starting with me up here and maybe you as well, the little genie story and the jaded cynicism that the, the genie might have and the pastor might have about really living out Christian community, that might be really what we think. These verses don't allow that. These verses call us to something different, something higher, a different vision. And we see it in Acts chapter 2. If you want to flip over there, it's really just a couple of pages further in the Scriptures. Although we know at this time that Jesus has died and has arisen, and we see now this early church community beginning to, to live this idea out. And there's a number of things in these verses. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 we're going to hunker down just on the connecting and community part for today, but there's a lot that could be taken from them. And let's remember as we look at these, of course, so we don't you know, beat ourselves up too much that just a few chapters further in your Bible, you're going to run into a bunch of letters the Apostle Paul writes to different churches. And guess what? They aren't doing a great job of actually fulfilling this, just like we struggle to fulfill it. But here's an early picture, nonetheless, an early vision of at least some of what we ought to be striving for as a church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what we talked about last week, remember? Truth and teaching. And fellowship, relationships with one another, connecting in community, if you will, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles' And all who believed, listen to this, were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as all had any need. Okay, it's, this isn't your early version of communism here, really. What it's saying is 
they cared enough. They still had possessions that were theirs because they sold them, so that's clear. But they did care enough that they sold those and wanted to bless other people that were connected in the church body. And I'm, I'm so thankful just to reference one application of this for our deacons who have really led us and encouraged us to have a deacons fund as a church family. And so that at those times when some of us here, maybe the Lord is blessing and greater provision, that we would have a chance to contribute to that and help out those who are maybe struggling, maybe are in job transition or having other difficulties, you know, and vice versa, recognizing that at some point, we might be in that situation and need the blessing of others who the Lord is providing for materially in a stronger way at that time. This is the idea here. And then listen, 46, day by day, attending the temple together. We're here together collectively. This is a community right here that's gathered together. Breaking bread in their homes They were relating to one another in settings like a life group or a small group, connecting personally. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And then listen to this last sentence. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Remember our verses from John that we just read a minute ago? Several times Jesus is praying that, Other people will actually come to believe in Christ through the church living out community the way that he has called us to. It's happening already in the book of Acts early on. Let's talk for a moment about a couple of dynamics, a couple of ways and elements that this idea of connecting a community is, is laid out, especially in our John passage today. If you turn back to that John 17 passage with me, in verse 23, you see this beginning of this idea that this community is a privilege, is a privilege. That's our first P for the day. Verse 23 tells us just at the last part of that verse that they may know you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Now, we know if we understand the gospel that God loves us through Christ's sacrifice. But look at what Jesus is doing here. He's not just talking about his sacrifice on an individual level. He's saying that sacrifice, that saving love that he gives us is actually part of how we relate to one another. It's part of the privilege of being in Christian community, that we can celebrate it together. We have his love together as a community. Verse 11, look back there. We read it a few moments ago. The last part of that verse as well. It says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which, I, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is interested in God keeping us, holding us, helping us stay together in this kind of community. In fact, I would say the only reason we have experienced any of this idea of Christian community and had the privilege of it at all is because Jesus is at work. He's holding us together. His love is pouring into our lives, and he's keeping us together. You all have certainly heard me before share about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but I have yet to find anybody that summarizes and gets to the core of how Christ is at the center of Christian community than, uh, than him. And I'll remind you, as I'm going to read a couple of quotes from him that I think you have in your worship guide, that Bonhoeffer is this guy who, during the time leading up into World War II, 
is a pastor. He has gotten out of Germany, you might say, and is living in England in the late 1930s. He's pastoring a German-speaking congregation there, so doing good work, important pastoral work. And a lot of other folks are trying to get out of Dodge, get out of Germany as fast as they can because they see what's coming, not just Jewish folks but others as well that know that persecution is going to be coming under this new Nazi government that's building power and authority in that land. And Bonhoeffer does a fascinating thing. He decides to leave his position in England and go back to Germany. Why? Because he wants to be with the community of his people, the people of his land, and with the believers there. Well, they're able to continue having church for a little bit of time, even though he was outspoken against the government and its policies because of his belief in in Christ. But eventually their public worship is shut down. The government shuts that down. They continue to try to connect in community through a radio broadcast that he does for a while, and then the radio equipment is seized as well. And not too long after that, Bonhoeffer himself is seized, placed in prison. And one of the most fascinating things to me is that in prison, he doesn't just idly bide his time. He finds other prisoners that he can connect with and tries to have Christian community right there in the midst of jail, right up until three days before the Allies arrive when Bonhoeffer is executed. So he's a guy who speaks in a unique and a powerful way about community. And in his book, Life Together, where these couple of quotes come from, I think he gets at some of the central issues for us. So let's hear what he has to say today. He says, But if there is so much happiness and joy, even in a single encounter of one Christian with another, what inexhaustible riches must open up for those who, by God's will, are privileged to live daily in community life with other Christians. Of course, he says, what is an inexpressible blessing from God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trampled underfoot by those who receive the gift every day. He's talking about a lot of us, isn't he? And there might be some folks here that, again, you're maybe visiting church today or you've been visiting the last few weeks. You haven't really connected with the community here and been enjoying the privilege of it. But others of us have probably week in and week out been experiencing the privilege of this Christian community. And Lord willing, other churches in our city and around the world are enjoying the same blessing. But the reality is, especially in a Bible Belt sort of culture like ours, there's a lot of church life and church activity it can become pretty routine, pretty mundane, rather than something that, as Bonhoeffer says, is an inexpressible joy and privilege that each of us has. He goes on and talks about this and thinking, I think, here, particularly in light of the fact that, you know, we're connecting in community, I guess, today in a bigger community, but inside of a school cafeteria. Nothing too fancy or special about that. And, and oh, you know, by the way, Bonhoeffer, what about the guy down the pew from me, you know, old John Jones down there. Have you hung out with him for a little while? And guess what? He's sitting at the other end of the pew thinking, hey, Sam Smith at the other end, have you hung out with him for a while? 
not always the easiest thing to really love each other. And Bonhoeffer says this. He says, if we do not give thanks daily for the Christian community in which we've been placed, even when there's no great experiences, no noticeable riches, not talking about money, he's talking about blessed experiences, I guess, but much weakness, little faith, and difficulty. And if, on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything's so miserable and so insignificant and does not live up to our expectations, then we hinder God from letting our community grow according to the measure and riches which are there for us in Christ Jesus. Challenging words, aren't they? Sure, we've all been at that place. Said, is this really it? This is the kingdom of God poured out and working itself out in the world? The church, the way it is, whether it's this church or some other church we've been a part of, all of us comes to a place of disappointment at some point with the fellowship. Or maybe it's our small group or our men's group or women's group or our life group, and it seems like a great, wonderful idea, and then we realize, well, we don't really get along. Or I don't really care that much about that other person, to be honest with you, and I'm not sure they care too much about me. What Bonhoeffer's saying is that the same process, and this is, if you don't take away anything else today, just see if you can, you know, meditate on this for a while. He's saying that the same process that, that you and I, if we're in Christ today, have gone through to come to know the Lord. We realize we're a sinner. We realize we're broken. We realize we need Jesus' righteousness. And guess what? That's really the only great thing about us is that Jesus is working in us. Just like we have to do that individually, he's saying we have to realize the same thing about the church. That it's broken, that we're all needy, that we don't love each other the way we should. But guess what? Jesus is at work in you and you and you and you and you. And because of that, we're connected. We can love Christ in one another, even if we don't always default to really love one another. Second thing we see, and we'll move through these next few points a little more quickly, is verse 23 highlights again, there's this idea that we can see the glory of God in verse 22 and verse 23. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. So Christian community that we have isn't just a privilege that we are called to enjoy and really relish. It's also a pointer. Those realities of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that are working out in community among us, those are things that we can point to in a way that the world around us is touched. In a sense, we're sort of a model, believe it or not, even with our brokenness as a Christian community, of what's going on in heaven. A couple of Nights ago, we were out, and as uh, you've noticed, if you've been out in the evening, it's getting that late September time. Uh, the, the days are getting shorter. The sun's setting. It's getting a little darker. And I was out at the park across from our house, and, and I, I looked up in the sky, and, you know, months prior, there had been some folks over in this sort of gravel pit nearby who were flying the model airplanes. You know, those are fascinating, the folks that can do that and, and then actually keep it together for more than five minutes and not crash it. And, and, but I hadn't seen them for a while. And it was getting, as I said, a little bit darker, and so the visibility wasn't great. And I looked up, and I, I saw this plane coming over our neighborhood. 
I said, well, there's one of those little four-person planes. There's a neat little plane coming overhead. And all of a sudden, his wings started to wobble awfully fast. And I thought, goodness, that plane's going to get, something's going wrong. That plane's going to go down. I mean, I didn't realize because of the dim light that it, it was a little model plane flying 100 feet over my head, not a real plane flying, you know, 1,000 feet overhead. I looked up, and at first, all I saw was the airplane. Now, the same thing is, in some sense, supposed to be true for us by God's grace working through us. That somehow the world is going to get a picture of what heavenly community is going to be like for eternity through how you and I live in oneness and connect in community together. Well, I'm not up for that challenge again. I said earlier with the hardness of my heart, and maybe you would acknowledge the same. So it's interesting to quote one more time from Bonhoeffer what he says we need to do about that. He says, a Christian community either lives by the intercessory prayers of its members for one another or the community will be destroyed. I can no longer condemn or hate other Christians for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble they seem to cause me. In intercessory prayer, the face that may have been strange or even intolerable to me is transformed into the face of one for whom Christ died, the face of a pardoned sinner. Isn't that an amazing thing? That we've got the privilege of pointing to heavenly realities through that in the way we relate and connect to one another. And I think this is so important. This is important for us as a church family as we're seeking opportunities to connect. Maybe it's grabbing coffee with somebody in here and really sharing what's going on in your life or them sharing with you. Maybe it is coming and connecting to something like Life Group, which is kind of a structured avenue we have for community. Maybe it's, you know, families getting together to grab pizza uh, one night at the park. Uh, It doesn't have to be this incredibly structured thing. But when we do that, we're, believe it or not, pointing to who God is. And we don't just do it with one another as well. There's a call here, I think, too, to recognize in this idea of oneness that all those everywhere who claim the name of Christ, who have put their trust in Christ, we have connectivity with. We go past the denominational boundaries or the non-denominational boundaries, which is really sort of a denomination to one because all of us got to decide are we going to have elders or deacons and how are we going to organize it and what, are we, what does communion mean and what does baptism mean and so forth. We can look past some of those differences we have and connect with other believers. So there's this unity we can display even beyond our own church family, and we ought to seek for sure. The last thing we see is just that ultimately this has got to get personal. It's got to come down to you and me realizing what Jesus has done in our lives and asking for God's help, God's vision to move into this kind of community, to invest in it and to let other people pour into our lives, to open up maybe is your biggest challenge, and to really allow people to connect with you and care for you. I like what the Apostle John says back in his letter, 1 John, so all the way at the back of the New Testament, almost to Revelation. And we'll kind of wrap up with this. He says in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, if we say we have 
fellowship with him, that's with, with God, while we walk in truth, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The walking close to Jesus in an individual journey is a journey that means we connect with each other. And then he goes on and says in a little bit more confrontive way, I guess you would say, in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 9, whoever says he's in the light... And hates his brother, still in darkness. Those two can't go together. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him, there is no cause for stumbling. These two are absolutely linked. This idea that we're walking in the light, we're experiencing Christ, and how we relate to one another. The vertical relationship, absolutely tied to our horizontal relationship with each other. Well, I brought up a number of issues today, and the questions are before us for sure. Where do we stand on this idea of connecting in community? We've seen that Jesus prays for this for us. There's this kind of vision of oneness. Is that a vision that you've got for your relationships and for our church body? If we've got that vision, then... Do we wrestle with it sometimes? Probably yes. And then Jesus reminds us, wow, that's a privilege that we get to be able to enjoy it. Do we see it that way? If not, how do we need to pray for God to help us to be reminded to see Jesus in the community, even where all we see is a lot of brokenness or maybe pain from past relationships in the church or whatever. And then we have this vision he gives us that Christian community can be this pointer to God. And we absolutely all ought to be on our knees about that one to pray that somehow Cross Creek Church, somehow the other churches in our community would actually reflect divine realities to the people around us so that they'd be drawn into a relationship with Jesus. You know, Jesus, as we get ready for the table in just a minute, He shared all of this again in John 17. It's interesting. In John 13, just a few chapters before and around the same time frame, he was interacting with his disciples. And you may not remember what takes place in that chapter 13. But that's where Jesus celebrates this supper with them. And right in connection with that, he does something else that's kind of bizarre for us. He actually gets out a bowl and a rag or a towel and gets down on his knees and cleans the feet of his disciples. And it's interesting how he ties those two pictures together, what we might call the the sacramental. This is kind of pure. This is kind of elevated, even though it's, you know, crackers and grape juice, but there's something that's in the silver containers and it's got the little green things on top of it, whatever we might call those. You know, this is special, kind of otherworldly. And then right there he is. Let me feel your feet. Let me clean your feet off for you and get the dirt off of them. Jesus gives us that picture there, that this idea and grand vision of connecting a community come right down to how we relate to one another face to face. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do thank you that you, as we saw last week, have not only 
uh, given us your word. You haven't left us in darkness. You also haven't left us alone. Invite us to community. And Lord, there's so many places where we realize the great blessing of that. And we love it. And we're so thankful for folks that really care about us and invest in our lives and ask what's going on and care because Jesus is at work in their lives. And, and yet we see a lot of places where it is really, really hard for us to want and for us to build this kind of community. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and work this in us in a way that just really we can't even envision ourselves and give us a greater vision for it and strengthen us to glorify you in this world in that way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.